What's up, fool? This is the Sore Losers BMX Podcast. My name is Justin Kobley. I'm out here on Long Island, New York. I'm here with Franco Leone of the Whammo Crew, standing in for Austin Mazer, who's busy having a birthday party for his dog. Today we've got Luigi Viacava on the podcast. Luigi is a rider and videographer from Lima, Peru. He runs Primate BMX, a crew, YouTube channel, clothing brand, and once a distro for animal parts. We talk about his experience hosting the Vans BMX team on their trip to Lima, filming the gray video back in 2019, what it was like filming with Rich Forn, his trip to New York in 2017, and how it compared to the riding scene in South America. Luigi is the man. I had a lot of fun with this one. So without any more ums or likes, here's the podcast. So, Sore Losers Podcast, episode 28. We've got Luigi Viacava from Lima, Peru on the podcast. Luigi, hey, thank you for up? coming on. <laughs> oh, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Glad to be here with Franco, like longtime friends. Franco Leon, he's a podcast veteran at this point. <laughs> Glad to have no. him on for uh, no. for moral support. <laughs> no, uh, no Austin today, huh? Or uh, or Lewis? No Austin. Yeah, he's on a different time zone, so figured this would work. It's kind of amazing that we're all in the same time zone, even yeah, though we're no, kind of spread yeah, out. We're all like continents. legit, just straight down. Yeah, New it York, is Florida, just... and, and Lima. It's all it's all straight down. Austin, Austin lives in Barcelona, I think. Spain. He's like Barcelona adjacent. He's in Palma, Mallorca. It's a little island oh, off the okay. coast of uh, Spain. So he speaks Spanish. He does. Yeah, uh, I don't think I it's would hope so. fluent at this point, but I think he's pretty comfortable, at least like out in public, ordering food. Talking to somebody on the street, asking for directions. No, I, I feel like once you live there, you you have to learn it. No, no matter what, you can't live there with you know I, only I, speaking I, English. I know people that lives in Barcelona and they don't speak Spanish. Like um, this guy, this bike rider, what's his name? Um, the French Vans rider, uh, Anthony um, Perrin. Yeah, Anthony Perrin. Yeah. He doesn't speak Spanish and he lives in in Barcelona. It's mm -hmm. crazy. So how does he survive? I think he has a girlfriend and she's French too or something like that. Mm. But yeah, I, I even know people that live in New York and they don't speak English, like Memo. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. He, yeah, That's he crazy. really doesn't speak much English at all. Yeah. I think it just helps when you're in like a tourist city to just, you know, be able city, to get yeah. by just by like the basic needs. And it's probably you find like your, your local stores that somebody this kind of speaks your language or you could get by without it. It's all about making an effort. Like for me, like I, I had to, I had to make an effort to learn how to, you know, learn or learn English. And, um, I, I did know a little bit of English. I went to an English speaking school with, without we, but we actually funny story. We'll tell it later, but, um, I knew a little bit, but coming here to the United States, to New, to New York, it, it was, Dear for me because I was surrounded by just white, and the, you, know, you know, Locust Valley where Craig lives in Babel and shit. There's no, not that many Spanish there. Glencove, yes, but in Babel, you're forced to 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 learn it. Yeah, yeah. I was, when I was a kid, I went to 
Miami. I lived there for two years and I was in an easel. You know what easel means? Please hmm. no. speaking, I don't know, like when they separate like uh, Latin people from American for them to, to learn English. And I, I literally learned English in two months because, because I had a need to. Wow. Yeah, so you didn't really have a choice. Yeah, that's why what you say, Franco, is true. Like, you, you only need effort, like, to learn it. Because, I don't know, if you live in New York, it's very easy to not learn it because there's a lot of people that speak Spanish. You can go to Latin neighborhoods and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Memo. Yeah, you're right. He, he really doesn't speak that much. I wonder if he actually, if, if he might listen to this podcast. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But Maybe. We'll have to do like a, uh, a Spanish yeah, translation. Yeah. So Luigi, uh, first I just wanted to ask what you've been up to lately. I saw you were like on a long road bike tour. Yeah, I've been uh, bikepacking. Like uh, I've been filming a documentary about a bikepacking trip around the south of Peru with some friends. And it was crazy, really crazy. I wouldn't do it again. It's like too much because I crossed the Andes on the bike. Wow. And we passed through a lot of primates. I got sick. Um, it was really dangerous because of the roads, all the trucks coming by and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened to me, but when I came back to Lima, I'm really psyched of riding BMX again. <laughs> I don't want to do road bikes again. <laughs> so it's sort of like refreshing to yeah, do something yeah, else that got you kind of stoked to ride BMX again. Yeah, I'm really stoked. The other day I was just went out riding and because of, uh, I did a lot of exercise. So now I feel more comfortable riding BMX than, uh, than I was like a year ago. Because I've never stopped riding BMX for like 20 years. And after the pandemic, I stopped for like a, a year. Really? So it was really hard for me to like get back on the bike and uh, I don't know, ride uh, after one year, you, you really feel uncomfortable. You can do stuff and, and you, 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 you don't get motivated to keep doing it. So that's why I stopped for more than a year. And I don't know, after this bike parking trip, I feel like more, more capable of doing stuff like riding BMX because I'm more strong, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I see it like uh, I had like um, a year of vacations from BMX, and now I'm like I, I want to get back on it. I don't want to pedal like 500 kilometers again. That's insane. Was that like the the full trip was 500 kilos? No, it was 600 kilometers. Jeez. But I I only did 500 because I I couldn't anymore. I just took a bus the last 100 kilometers. You had to call it quits. <laughs> you made it pretty yeah, damn it was, far though. I yeah, That's still yeah. a major accomplishment. You said 600? 600 kilometers. How much oh. is that in miles? Yeah, yeah I was going to do the conversion real quick. I think it's 372 right. miles. Jesus. Yeah. That's insane. Right. Fuck. That's like an entire Florida. The difficult it was More? because we, we were very high. We were like 4,000 meters above sea level. That was the difficult part of it. I got really sick. Was I did a like an adventure documentary about it, and what's what's funny is that my two friends that came with me, they used to be BMX riders too. Really, really nice. Yeah, from Arequipa, uh, Miguel and Kiko. Oh shit! Oh Kiko, right? I remember that. Remember guy. him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy because I've seen this a lot in BMX riders that when they get old, they they want to do bike packing trees. I ha I've seen it a lot, in, like in I don't know. 
you, do you remember this this pro BMX rider called uh, Lloyd Wright? I think he yeah. rides for. Yeah, uh, I think he's uh, a UK rider, right? He rode for Kink. Yeah. yeah, he he's a very good road bike packer right now. Like he he does like long trips, and I follow him a lot. Lloyd Wright, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Hmm. I'll have also, to look that up. Bruno Hoffman is into it a lot too. Really, he's doing a lot of road bikes. Yeah. I've been talking to him because he got a Cannondale, and I was talking. He he bought a, a gravel bike. And he was asking me because he saw I was doing bikepacking trips, and he was like, oh, "I'm psyched about it." It's like I don't know, I don't know what happens with BMX. Like after 30 years, I've seen a lot of bike riders that do like road bikes or gravel. You just need a change in life, man. That's yeah, what it is. Yeah. It really is a change. Like it's too much. It's 20 years of the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think even though it's still like a huge challenge to do like such a long bike riding tour. It still has to be easier on your body just in the long run. Like you're not crashing over and over and over. You're not slamming into yeah. rails and ledges. So you could still get the like, you know, the physical thrill of riding, but it's less risky and still seems challenging as hell to do a tour of that length. I just don't understand yeah. how you guys do these crazy trips through the Andes, especially like this is like kind of like how, how long what's the longest you've gone on a one single trip to a specific i guess town or area you you plan it out clearly you plan it out to okay we're gonna stop here and then I'm, we're gonna go here but we can't just keep going forever like plus you have like all like i guess food and back like extra clothes and your camera equipment and on on your bag and shit like this is crazy to me like to, to do it especially in peru not like anywhere in a where you can just stop at a gas station or whatnot or, you know, yeah. like you have good roads in Lima, it's different. You have like dirt roads and stuff. So yeah, um, it's, it's hard. Uh, we were doing a hundred kilometers a day. And yeah, what you say is true because if you go too deep in the Andes, there's places that there's nothing, like literally nothing for kilometers and kilometers. And I don't know, when we were in the Andes, we, there was no hotels, no, nowhere to just go to sleep. And we didn't bring tents because it was too much weight. Mm -hmm. So we, right. we just paid like, I don't know, like there was a little house in the middle of nowhere. You just paid a lady living there, I don't know, 10 solids and we sleep the night. <laughs> wow. So sort of like a, uh, an unofficial Airbnb. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, 10 solids is about like $3 and 50 cents. Wow. Or That's dollars. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But something like I mentioned that my friends that went with me were BMX riders because I feel that BMX opens your mind like like you're like I don't know how to say in English like you don't care about a lot of stuff that that like pro road bike riders do care about and and they're scared of doing something like that you know mm -hmm. that's why a lot of bike riders that come from BMX they just you just they see it. things differently because yeah, it just gives you that like the freestyle mentality that yeah, you can yeah, do whatever true. you want there's really no rules like i mean there's obviously like some sort of conventions of bmx that like you know the abd rules and the like one-upping and stuff like there's weird little kind of codes can, but and yeah, at the end can, of the day you can ride whatever you want you can ride a curb you could ride flat ground you could ride handrails like it's just open season yeah like i know road bike riders that they um they 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 like to get comfy to do stuff and then when you ride bmx like ah 
fuck it. I don't care. I, I, I would sleep in the house of this lady in the middle of the Andes. Like, <laughs> yeah. like really, I don't know, oh, the mentality, I the see mentality what you're of saying, road yeah. bike riders, you know, they, they, they're like pretty elite. Elite is, is the word in English. Yeah, yeah like elite. In top, uh-huh. Like, no, I'm not doing this shit. Like, we were like, fuck it, I'll just sleep whatever it is. Like, I think BMX opened our mind to do stuff like that, you know? And did you guys do camping just without tents on? Because I remember seeing like... No, no. No? Because oh, I saw footage you of you guys having like a picnic. <laughs> and I think like a llama or something was oh, like... Oh, no, no. That, that was oh. not a trip to Cusco. Like I, I came back from the bike trip and then I went to another trip with some friends. But that was like Whoa. a really like expensive hotel and stuff like that. Oh, My I backpacking see. trip was like low cost. A little more rugged. Yeah. Yeah. And you filmed the whole trip. Like that was sort yeah. of like a working trip. Is that just like a personal project? Like what? What's the no, video it a, for? It is, it is a personal project, but my goal is to sell it to a company or something and start doing another project and win money out of it. Mm-hmm. It's something I have I have to do to like to leave being a documentary filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's sort of like a personal project, but like a portfolio building yeah, type of yeah, project. Yeah. yeah. I like I I I love documentary filmmaking. It's like, and it all started filming BMX because I was actually documenting reality in BMX. And that's what I love to do right now. Uh, that was like my roots. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that. Which came first? Because Primate BMX, for those that don't know, that's like your crew, your YouTube channel, where all your videos have lived. How did that come about? And that that was like your sort of initial introduction to making videos? Yeah, actually, I started making videos because of Franco. Because really? he was like the pioneer of doing edits in Lima. Like I'm talking about mm-hmm. 05, 06. Mm-hmm. Remember you had this like little camera with uh, that recorded in... Yeah, I don't think it was 05, 06. I would say it's maybe like, like 2007. Yeah. Or like 2008, around there. It was because is because Craig sold me a little fisheye lens for like bucks. I I went to like I I went to high school with Craig. I knew him forever. He sold me a little fisheye lens, and then I had to move to Peru for family reasons, and we were just filming with like a, a, a mini DV camera. So you would have to, it's you know, like a cassette camera, like a VX, and, same thing, mini DV. Yeah, yeah, like a yeah, handy. All the headaches that handy gun. With it. it was a handy gun, yeah. I mean, I started posting shit on YouTube when YouTube when YouTube was you know, like a baby. When you it would just like post 40. single clips, right? It was just like you'd film a clip, put the raw no, clip it wasn't right on YouTube. Clips. It was like no? it, I would edit the videos. Oh, and so you stuff were actually and like making songs. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, looking back at those YouTube videos, they're like you can't even tell what's going on. It's like they're so bad quality wise. Yeah, I yeah, think they were, they were pretty good, man. For for like the time. You were ahead of your time with editing. Like, you were doing like nice cuts, like yeah, synchronizing the music and stuff. Like, yeah. I, I remember seeing that and I was like, whoa, I want to do that. that, that that's why I, I bought my camera and stuff. Quality of that camera was pretty good at the time, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool to hear. I wonder, uh, Franco, what made you want to get into filming? Like, probably riding with Craig, filming with him. Yeah, exactly. Riding with mm-hmm. Craig. And I did take a couple of, um, I went to Bosey's for video production. So that kind of got me into it. I just never, I should have, 
I should have kept going for it for just for school and, you know, could have done something with it in life, but I just didn't. Um, but that's, yeah, I, I just like, you know, filming with my friends and shit, going out filming street, just like what, what we still do at this point in life. It's crazy. Never really changed. Yeah. It's never too late to get a camera though. If you ever want to pick it up again. No, everyone here, like I I'm considering it because nobody really rides street. So like, I kind of want to push the couple of friends that I've made here in Florida to maybe ride some street and like get some clips and stuff. Get them out of the skate park. Yeah. Yeah. Get them out of the skate park. Nice. Do you remember the time I met Franco? It was when Daniel Durst was in Lima and he was riding a boat. Remember you Mm. and you brought your camera to film Daniel Durst. Really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I ask you, hey, is that a fisheye? Because I remember you had a fisheye with, with it was all scratched. <laughs> yeah, dude, I still Jeez. have it. It's actually in my closet. Really? Yeah, wow. it's right. I, I'm gonna keep that forever. And I, I realized that Franco had this uniform of my school, of my like. Uh, we were we were in the same school and we didn't know it. Was that like high yeah. school? It, like I don't know high if the, the system's yeah. the same. Uh, yeah, but... it must have been high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, yeah, in, in Peru, you either go to a private school or you go to a public school. You don't really want to go to a public school. Just, just no, way no, a little it's, it's too. Not like it's just America. dangerous. I would, yeah. It's just not good. It's not so, dangerous. It's just not good, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah, it's not, you just get it's a not worse a education. School. You're right. Yeah, it's worse. Mm-hmm. But um, so in 2000, in, in like 2007 or whatnot, I moved to, to Peru for like about two years. And I, when I was a kid, I went to that same school, but obviously came back to America. And then when I was in 2007, I came back. So they, they accepted, it was a private school. They accepted me back because I was already part of that school. And I went there. I think it was like maybe like my first week or whatever. They gave me the uniform because you have to wear a uniform. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that day I went out riding and the Daniel Dares was like at the ball or whatever. I can't remember exactly how it went down, but like I knew he was going to be there. So I brought my camera and I just didn't even get dressed. I just like came from school. I had my uniform and like I left the house with the camera. I went to the skate park. The skate park was maybe like 10 minutes away. It was like the big bowl. And like it was for me at the time, it was an insane skate park. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess that's that's the day that me and Luigi met. And then we realized like, what the fuck? We're like in the same school. And like this school yeah. isn't like it isn't close to my house. Like, you know, it's kind of like maybe like 45 minutes away or whatnot. So like the, the way it just worked out, it was crazy. You know, like the coincidence. Yeah. We're all kids. Mm-hmm. Man. Even Daniel Durst was a kid. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah, that crazy day. to think about. Did Daniel Dares live in Lima at one point? Was he in Peru? No, Daniel. He was just visiting. He, he lived in. Well, he, Is he from Venezuela? That, What's his, um, yeah, he's from Venezuela, but his father is a Venezuelan ambassador in Argentina. Whoa. Okay. So he used to live in Argentina, uh, but he came to Peru because in Peru we have a lot of skateboards. Mm-hmm. So he came to Peru to just practice and ride. To train. Yeah, at that yeah. time, Lima and Peru was it was crazy because like not many not many of the countries in South America had skate parks. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot, but like it was a period in in time where there was a lot of skate parks being built at the same time in peru corruption (laughs) yeah for me it's like they started doing like here in peru what happens is when they do like a construction or something there's a lot of corruption so they start doing a lot of like constructions everywhere and i think that happened to with skate parks at one time that started like appearing 
the whole country a lot of skate parks, but they were all really look like the dude. They remember? were replicas. They were all the exact really? same skate park. <laughs> and um, but it's like we have I don't know if we have a hundred skate parks, like really twenty are good to ride. You know, like a lot of them they look like spots, and not even skate parks. Interesting. So it was just like a way for politicians to like fill their pockets to get like contracts and they were just cranking Maybe, them out probably. at one point. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know if it's true, but that's what I think it's happened. It's probably nice to have like your local park spread all around. Like you could just go to like any skate park and <laughs> be able to ride it confidently. You know, it's hard. Like you go to like a weird new park and you're just out of your element. Yeah. You would never leave yeah. them. There's no point of leaving. Yeah. You just stay at your local yeah. Hmm. Well, that, that's why I think there's a lot of kids that ride park riding here and they're pretty good because they learn to ride in a pretty damn slippery skate park and they land like flare whips and stuff like that and Imagine you have to be able to land kids, pretty perfect like, like tires straight you, down yeah. your weight in the right place or you're just gonna get kicked to the ground yeah these yeah. skate parks the, the way they made the cement that I don't think they thought through like what BMX tires are obviously or skateboarding wheels. But when the sun would come out, it would just totally, for some reason, make the skate park totally slippery. Ice. Yes. It's like ice. You couldn't, it, it was hard to ride. I remember that. Our, our local skate park is like ice. Yeah. Like we had to land perfectly the trick that because it's <laughs> yeah. the way. So. Sounds a little bit like Oil City Skate Park. That was a park that right, uh, yes. we had, the yep, only like indoor that. park. It was terrible. Same thing. Like, unless you land perfect, you just slip right out. You couldn't even pedal without leaning your weight all the way back or your back tire would spin out. Yeah. yeah it was that yeah, slick. It was terrible. So Luigi, I was curious too, uh, what is it like just filming in general in Peru and just around South America? Cause you know, you hear things about like, you know, could get your camera stolen. You know, you have to yeah. be careful with the police and there's just a lot of sort of like fear but what's your experience been after filming all these years yeah it's like i always thought about that because uh, even right now i want to do like a full like good made edit but there is this how do you say uh it's not an advantage it's like disadvantage disadvantage mm -hmm. that like you you don't only have to think about security kicking you out and film the spot, you have to think about also like looking around if there's not someone that is going to like. If you see like the same up. car pass by with a bunch of guys that are looking at you, or yeah, you see and kind actually, of some... that that's a stress. Like it's, it's not only like the normal BMX street riding stress that you have, you have this in additional. Yeah. Because, and that's, I, I don't like that because I don't know. I've seen like edits in California, I don't know, Christian Regal. Filming with a, with a red one or an Ari mm -hmm. Alexa Mini, you know, and I, dude, it's like I, I can't even imagine doing that here in Lima. It's like no, no, I would never do that. Here in did Lima you see? He did a project with uh, Matthias Dandois in New York, and he rode this ridiculous like tricycle thing with a sidecar, and the sidecar was just loaded with camera gear and stabilizers and just probably a whole kit of cine lenses like he was probably rolling with like seventy five thousand dollars of camera what? equipment like it, it, insane. isn't that dangerous even in new york 
there it depends i mean i'm sure it's similar to like peru where it depends on the area like you wouldn't want to like cart all that gear all the way uptown to like harlem in the wrong neighborhood like that's that's asking for trouble but yeah it really depends but like around manhattan like midtown the tourist sections like there's very little to worry about yeah no it's that that's been a problem for us always like you know lima lima is like it's not it's not a place that you always get robbed you know but it could happen even in the best neighborhoods Mm -hmm. uh it is a city that is is, it's not secure you know it's it's not really you you cannot hang out in the street with a camera and it's been always for us like since we were kids we were always like looking around you know yeah that's why and and another problem is that the best spots in lima are in the ghetto like yeah, of the course. best places to film are in like places that you could get robbed. That's why I know. I I don't know if you heard the, but like ten years ago, a skate team came here to Lima. It was the ES skate team, I think, and they were filming in a sketchy place. I remember they were they were by themselves, and they got robbed. Wow. They got. I, I think there was even a video where they. They got like with guns, gunshots and stuff. They, they were robbed like a ten thousand dollar year, and after that, like a lot of people, like between pro skaters and stuff, they, they start saying, "Don't go to Lima, it's dangerous mm-hmm. and stuff." And mm-hmm. I hated that. It was like, no, it's, it's it's only you have to know where to go. And they yeah. were by themselves. They so probably when, didn't have a good guide with them. No, they didn't have yeah. guides because that makes all the difference. I'm looking for spots. That's why when the bands guys came here in Lima, they were by themselves. And I wrote to them, hey, don't do that because in Lima, there's a lot, it's a city of contrast. You can be in a very good neighborhood, but you go to the street and you could be like in the worst neighborhood. That happens a lot. Yeah. So you, you need a guide when you come here. And, and if you're with a local, nothing's going to happen to you. Like you only know, have to know where to go. Gotcha. So yeah, you were talking about when the, uh, the Vans team came. That was for Vans... The gray video, right? That was like February 2020. That was released, yeah. and that was basically the whole Vans BMX Pro team. I was like, yeah, I couldn't like, believe it. I couldn't believe it, man. Me too, I, I, man. Yeah, I, that was insane. We, me and Louis. Let me just say, me and Louis have been, have been fucking hoping. We've been dreaming about this for like for, 15 for, years. <laughs> yeah, we've wow. been talking about this for fucking real bike riders to go and like just experience the spots that we've ran in the past, and we're like because we had the visions. I'm like holy shit this is amazing you can do something on this but like we don't have the skills we just want someone to come and like it it was years and then like i, I can't remember who i saw it might have been bruno hoffman or someone on the vans team and i'm like holy shit i need to tell fucking louis and i gotta fucking tell them like hey go go to this guy he knows what the fuck is up and like you know i was pointing him in the right direction to louis because he for the tour guide and it worked out. I can't remember who it was. It might have been, uh, actually, it might have been that guy, Jerry from Vance, uh, the team manager. I like went straight to the guy Jerry on, Batters, on the Instagram DMs. Hmm? So you guys sort of set up that, like, they didn't reach out to you as the tour no, guide? No, not at all. Really? No, no, no. They, they just, I think they, they were in Lima. They chose, I think they chose Lima because the Pan American Games were going on like three months before. And maybe they were in a meeting just like looking, oh, Lima could be, a, because something, Related to BMX happened here, and they just choose it. But they didn't have like a local contact or something. Even I, 
I contacted Van Homan because Van Homan came three months before was here in Lima for judging the Pan American Games. And you did a video with uh, him, right? You did like an interview? Yeah, I mm-hmm. did an interview with him and, and just I just wrote to him, hey, I was I was like uh I was scared of them just going to a wrong place. So I told Van Homan, hey, just please, I don't know if it's me or some local guy, but tell them to contact someone and not go by themselves. And that's when I think Van Homan contacted Simone. And then and they reached to me and that's when we met. Interesting. Yeah, because well, those guys crazy. too. It's crazy because when I think about like your videos, a lot of the spots remind me a lot of like the East Coast style, like very like cutty slant walls and tight street transitions, a lot of really like rough ledges. Like I think you have always been probably a metal peg rider. So just a lot of like sparks flying and, you know, like classic like animal and PM style street riding. But then seeing... The spots like that those guys rode, there's there's such a mix of like everything, like big stairs and handrails. So it seems like Peru really has like a little bit of everything. It's a lot of hills. The change in yeah. elevation helps, yeah. I, I I won't lie to you, like Lima is not the best place in South America to come street riding. Is is if you want to go like find the best spots in South America, you could go to Argentina or maybe Chile. But we have mm-hmm. our thing too. Like we we have different uh, stuff, and what said Franco before is true. Like we've been riding so much Lima for so long that we even had like spots like made for some pros. Like I was like I remember like I knew around the rail for like ten years, and I always thought this is for Dan Lacy, this is for Dan Lacy. And really? when they came here, I said like Hey, I have a spot for you there. I was a total spot nerd for them. Like nice. Hey. Do you want a big rail, a medium rail, a little rail? I was like, I had the whole catalog of spots for them. And they were happy with that because they could choose. There were a lot of videos. I just showed them all the mixtapes and videos I've done. So it was pretty easy for them to just pick. And they even told me, hey, I've never, we've never had like a local guy that had so much options prepared for us. Really? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. Definitely worked out very well for them, having you as a guide. Yeah, yeah, they they loved it. It's, it's like at the end of the trip, I remember Rich Fornes was like, "Hey, I'm, we, we're gonna like see for a budget for you." And I was like, "No, man, it's sad. Don't worry." They they gave me like I don't know six hundred euros. It's like, "Hey, really? Please, yeah." They paid me. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" I just received the money. Was, yeah, that's such like Lace, a good move to do as a company. Bike too. Really? Jeez. Yeah, that's awesome. As a present too. I'm glad. Um, glad they compensated you for all your effort because that's yeah, like so that, much but... work for you. Like you, you're basically like playing the TM, your tour yeah. guide. You were, I you think, you got some film credit. Shit, yeah, you probably had to miss work. Like, yeah, I lost money, man, because I, I just turned. I had a lot of work, like video work, and I said, no, fuck it. It's like I'm going with these guys. I've been waiting for this for so long, and at the end, it was was better like just stay working <laughs> yeah i feel you and uh i was, was riding it? with those with those guys sorry to cut you off just no, just good. like you know they're, they're so it was who was it it was simone from italy and uh Haw- bruno hoffman anthony perrin rich foreign uh who else was time Donaghy, dennis anderson no, no, no. 
Danny Sinerson and you had Lewis Mills. Oh yeah, Lewis right. Mills. That was a big trip. That was a big crew. Yeah, Simone, Isabacos when he was a photographer. Mm-hmm. I don't remember who was. There was a lot of guys. <laughs> yes, it's it's a, a lot of different languages in you know in one single trip. That's crazy. But I, I think they came in like two different trips. I think it was like two weeks a, a set of group and then another the other group uh, later on. Correct. Yeah. Really interesting because you don't really get that from the video. Yeah, uh, they got in different trips and. It was crazy. They had like a huge budget. Like they rented a huge apartment and they were eating like in fancy places. So they were like, whoa, I've never heard about like a BMX trip being so like good. Um, I don't know, supported by a brand. Yeah, Vans must do well. And that's cool that they're willing to like share that with their team. They're not just yeah, sending their awesome. team into like a little crummy Airbnb or a little hostel and making them eat cheese and crackers. For their two week trip, that's rad. They were they were mostly vegan. I remember. So really? we were, they had an app called Happy Cow. So they, they were just <laughs> I don't know about that. They were, we were going to I, I was eating vegan for a whole month with them. Like, oh jeez. I guess it could be worse. <laughs> How was it like working with Rich Foreign or just seeing him in action? Rich, like Rich, is he filming all the time? Because when I watch his videos, oh, I just get the sense that he's like just got the camera out, like searching for weird little like moments and like street performers, like all. Because I think in the beginning of the video, there's like two guys in Spider-Man suits and they're like yeah. scaling a bus and they're like doing backflips. It's like it's absurd. Like, yeah, that Rich is great. He's a crazy character because he's the opposite of what you think. Yeah, like, I've heard that. A crazy filmer that is no. He's a quiet he guy, cam- right? Yeah. He hates cameras. He hates talking about. Uh, he He's not into gear at all, like, right? When I met him, I told him, "Hey, that's a." I, I remember it was what probably like a GH five or something. I asked him for his gear. Hey, is that that gear? And he was like, "No, don't even start." I, I hate filming. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?" And he was like, "My favorite filmer of all time," and. I realized that maybe there's so much people asking him the same question. That yeah. He's like, he doesn't like to talk about it. He's sick but of it. I didn't feel like he, he was like really into filming. He didn't give a fuck. He was like, oh. and all those, those little clips you see of the Spider-Man dude. So those are with like real cameras. He just filmed with an iPhone and a GoPro in the street. Like just no shit. Like wow. Interesting. Yeah. But he does a really good like color correction uh work his color grading people. work and all of his editing yeah. goes a really long so, way yeah that's why you, you you don't feel that the it's done with those gears i don't know yeah he's just a pro he's a pro man he but i, I feel like he he's really really pro because he's a graphic designer too when a actually when a graphic designer is a filmer you got the best results mm-hmm. because he knows a lot of color theory you know like composition and stuff so he even 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 he told me he did the design of all the federal logos and they're pretty good i love them yeah so he's he's a one-man band man. he does everything like interesting yeah very talented guy for sure yeah very talented i think it seems like he knows 
already the type of video he wants to make in the filming. Like he knows what he's looking for. He's not just filming blindly. Like he's got his style and his videos yeah. are always awesome. Like it's, it's crazy because uh, have you seen Rich Warner videos where those clips that has nothing to do with BMX, like horses and girls, basically the entire yeah. federal video, the flowers and the yeah. eyes opening, the dirty hands, the really like high yeah, contrast I, I, black and white B roll. Yeah. yeah, I was always curious about that. I wanted to see how he made that. And um, he actually does that by himself. He has nobody around. Like you never like see him doing that. He's he's not he's not like oh I'm going to film the horses. Uh, I want to go there. No, he just doesn't do. When he's alone by himself, he he does it. And I I realized he did uh he was dating a a girl here in Lima. So all all those clips you see of a girl with a with a bag in his face. The bag stuff. all over the face. Yeah. Yeah. He. He just dated the girl the first date and told her, "Hey, I kind of put your bag in your face and." Was, and the girl was like, okay. <laughs> and she, he got the best images, like yeah, genius, for sure. Yeah, I think for like federal stuff, I've heard that he'll like hire models to do certain, you know, parts. Like in FTS, there's like a dancer. I don't know if it was a yeah. girl he was dating or a model he found, but yeah, she, she's an actress, I think. Yeah, that federal FTS video is is, is art, man. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing is like you you've seen those smooth like uh, traveling shots he does. I really thought he used like, like a gimbal, right? Yeah, gimbal or tablet. No, man, he's he's a warrior. He he just turns upside down the tripod with the skateboard. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's his gear. Wow. That blue. Do my mind, man. So he's sort of using like even a makeshift version of like an OG Steadicam because you know how they have those stabilizers where it's like weighted and it's it's yeah. like what they use to film like the famous scene in Rocky where he's running up yeah, the stairs. Yeah. Like, because you can do that with a tripod and a little bit yeah. of skill and practice. It's not exactly the same, but yeah, it's crazy. He doesn't, he's not a gear guy at all. No, not at all. He, 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 he uses a video camera. And two DSLRs, mm-hmm. but they are quite old. They're not the best cameras. Yeah, but they all film in 4K, so that's he has standards. But yeah, I don't know. The companies Maybe. too, they have like their minimum requirements. Probably, like I know Red Bull yeah. is very strict. Like Tony Ennis has had problems filming videos for Red Bull because he was staying with 720p for so long cool. with like the HMC 150s. You know, similar to like what I have, like HVX 200, all those Panasonic camcorders and Red Bull was like, we're not, we're not paying you for this potato footage. So I think he had to upgrade. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But are you somewhat Uh, of a gear guy? Would you say like you, you like the camera gear, you like to, to learn about new lenses and all that? I mean, I've been a a VX guy for a long time, like for seven years of me only filming VX. Yeah. Then I started doing like freelance filmmaking. And now right now I'm a gear guy. I need to because when I do that part of the job. Commercials, yeah. Yeah. It, they have requirements and it's always better to have like good footage. I divide it between like work footage and bike footage. Like mm-hmm. I want to buy a VX right now and, and, and film BMX. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. 
Because I think you were you're running like a Sony A6300 for a while for like some of your like commercial Sony work. A6500. 65, yeah. yeah. I have a 63 right now. Yeah, that's a pretty good camera. Man. That's like, solid, yeah. Yeah. That's the big boy that you got? No, that's my little, the camera that I used to rig up. That was, you know, the, it looks like a DSLR, but a little oh, bit smaller. Okay, 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 gotcha. But it's got a, a nice APS-C, like a pretty big sensor, which goes a yeah. long way for video. Yep. That's so what are you working camera. with now for like your, your BMX camera? Are you still using the VX? Because um, you had uh, a DSLR uh, when you were here in New York. What was that, like 2017, yeah, yeah. 18? That was an old camera. It was like a 60D, a Canon 60D. Mm -hmm. That was a pretty good camera for filming BMX too. Uh, no, right now I'm, I only have this camera. Because I haven't been filming BMX for a while, like for you said, you took a break through 2020. Yeah, I took a break, uh, but actually, I'm filming an edit in five days. An Argentinian guy that writes bow is coming, and I'm psyched about. It. I want to. I want to film bow. Like I've never filmed like a bow guy flying around. So I'm gonna use my X, my A6500, mm -hmm. and all my gear. I bought a drone too. And well, a lot of lenses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that lenses can be addicting. Yeah. Is that so? Is that going to be a similar type of project to um the Irvin Padilla video that I was watching earlier? How did that no, project come about? Like the excuse me, the what? <laughs> there was a video on your YouTube channel that was like sort of like a documentary, like voiceover style video. I think his name was Irvin Padilla, P A D I L L A. Oh, oh, oh that, yeah, yeah, that was like a documentary about a friend that did a skate bar in his house. Yeah, it's, but now this project is going to be for Etnis. For Etnis, okay, awesome. Etnis, Argentina. Very cool. Yeah. How do you say uh, his name? Because to me, I read it as Irvin. Irvin Padilla. Yeah, yeah Irvin Padilla. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that skate park from his video is that just at his house because he has like this insane it's almost like a skate park built in an alleyway between two buildings yeah it's actually he he lives in the north of lima that's not a good place <laughs> it's not a pretty good place to live mm -hmm. but he uh, he has a lot of money <laughs> uh, like <laughs> his, his father has like an enterprise of liquor uh, distribution and stuff like that so he has a lot of terrains and he built a um, like a a wood skate park in it. So I love the idea of him having a wood skate park because he, nobody has a skate park in their house here in Lima. Like I I don't know anybody that rides bikes and has his own skate park. So we did a project like uh, for two days. I went to the north, filmed, and went out pretty good. I liked it. I liked it. But that, that's, that's not the, the kind of BMX project I always wanted to do. Like here in Lima, I've, when I got hired to do a BMX project, it has always been park riding project, you know, because yeah. all the park riders have all these big sponsors here. So they have the budget to pay it. And all the street projects I've made, it's like, it was just myself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm psyched about this at this project because it, it is like a dude that rides bulls. Like he has like a Corey Walsh style, you know. And mm -hmm. Etnis, I love that brand. So I'm very excited. Like we're going to start filming in five days. 
I think he arrives in. What bowls do we have in besides Miraflores and San Bartolo? What other bowls? A lot of bowls. Like right now, we have uh, like ten bowls from Lima, like big bowls. We have Converse bowl. We have the all the uh, the west side bowls. We have uh, there's a lot of them. <laughs> it's like okay. like really, but. I, I like because I like it because there those are bowls that are not made by the municipalities are bowls made by skaters that came here to Peru mm -hmm. for builders jams and stuff like that so are pretty good made bowls they're massive man the Converse bowl is huge I've never seen for, any. it's a Converse bowl yeah it's, I'm gonna have to look up some photos later that sounds crazy mm -hmm. yep. We have a lot of, in Ventanilla, the north, we have a huge bowl, like, I'll send you videos, check it out. Man. So, actually, Lima, we have a lot of variety right now for riding. Like, uh, I told you, Franco, in the north of Peru, we have all these huge, there's a city of ditches, like, huge city of ditches. It's almost virgin. Like, nobody has rode. Uh, only Rob Dolecki wanted to go, he told me, because I sent him footage about but it's not very known. Like, not a lot of people heard about it. And I sent a video to Dig and Rob. They told me that he was on the line waiting for a Red Bull project. Really? Right now. Because it is, it is a huge, like, city of bulls in the middle of the desert. It's a like, crazy location. So yeah, he's talking about, like, like ditches pools? like Arizona. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, these are, like, sword. drainage ditches that you'd see, like, yeah. uh, California spots. The famous yeah, ones yeah. around, like, L.A. So yep. big, big banks and hips and those type of spots. Yeah, and exactly. Like ske sketchy houses where you can drop in, and or or just there's there's a part where you, you can even fly over a house. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So I went back and I watched a few old videos. Um, I'll spare you. I didn't go way, way back because Franco sent me some links to some old footage. But at least I wanted to go back to uh, 2015. You had a video. It was your primate profile. Oh, I think yeah. that was probably one of the first videos that I saw of you. And that got me interested in like the Peruvian BMX scene. So like what, how did that project come about? Um, that, that actually was a, like a lot of leftovers I had <laughs> to mm -hmm. put them together. From like bigger projects? Yeah, for my mixtape project I had a lot of leftovers and I actually realized it was pretty cool so I put them all together. And I don't know, like I have a couple of friends from Argentina that came to Peru and they taught me a lot. They taught me a lot of like filmmaking. They, they are, if you want to look for them, Obby, they're called Overeat BMX. They're the best guys in South America doing like DVDs and full-length videos. Really? I'll have to check it out. After, I haven't heard of them. After they were here, they spent two months in my house. They, and I don't know, after uh, they they came back, I started like uh, working like in videography. Like I was being more serious into it, you know? Interesting. Like, uh, I left my VX behind <laughs> and I bought uh, a DSLR camera. Yeah, the VX can be limiting. 
And uh, I don't know if you dealt with yeah. like any issues with it yeah, glitching I and the tapes. It's just to me, it's not worth the headache anymore. I can't no. do it. It's not worth it, man. It's like I lost a lot of footage. Like the, the worst part when they are about to do a gap and they got dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him that VX. I, I can't. Remember. I, I I bought it off a skater off eBay maybe, and I got it shipped to my house in New York, yeah. and then I remember- shipped it. Do you, you remember it to was, Peru? Was $200. I remember it was $200. Right now, if you look for a VX in Amazon, it's crazy. It's like $1,000. Yeah, they're crazy expensive now. Yeah. Especially the VX 1000. That's still, that's the most desirable one. Yeah. Anyway. I, hired, I hired one VX 1000 for a project here because I needed like a vintage footage. And I asked the guy here in Peru, hey, how much do you sell it? And he told me 5,000 solids, like more than $1,000. Wow. I was like, what? That's, yeah, it's insane. Crazy. Skateboarders especially will pay whatever it takes for them still because even like some like commercial skate videos for brands, they'll still film on VX1000s just because I think it just has that classic look. And with the Century Good Mark thing. I fisheye, it's, it's still pretty hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But I think I've found like a pretty good happy medium with the HVX 200, the Panasonic camcorder, because I just treat it like like a tapeless VX. Like I don't really think of it as quote unquote like a real camera because it's only 720p, which to me is, is closer to standard definition than it is to like 4K. But, you know, for like little video projects, I'm happy with it. In that camera, you 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 recording an SD card? No, no it not. records to this old type of memory card called the P2 card, which is basically oh. four SD cards yeah. inside a little cartridge. I remember you showing me that? Yeah, it's funky, but I just treat it as like the internal storage. Like I don't take the P2 cards out. There's no reason. It's it's kind of just like a hard drive. Yeah. But it does the job, and it. I found the camera for dirt cheap, like I think like 300 bucks on Facebook Marketplace. So cheaper than you'd get a VX in some cases. So gave it a shot. does the job. It's crazy because I've seen, in, I'm working a lot in, in fashion right now, like doing fashion films and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the trend right now. A lot of people is using VX right now, like really? I said, vintage style for fashion films and commercials or Instagram and stuff like that. That's why I want to get one, like, again, just to have it there. and Just, just to have it as, like, a tool. Yeah. If, uh, if the project comes out. I sold it to Bone Gang. Oh, Mario. Mario. Yeah. And, and, he, and he got robbed. Like, he left it, he left it in the back of a truck. And we went to buy groceries. And they broke the window. And took the camera. Because... I actually, when I was filming with that camera here in Peru, I was pretty scared, man, because it's a huge camera, and people think it's very expensive. Like, mm-hmm. like it looks like a video, like a TV video camera. You know, like it, it pays a lot of attention. They see the mic attention. on top of it. They see the handle and the just the mm-hmm. big lens, and they're like, "Oh, that's a professional camera." They don't know yeah. the specs or anything. They think it's like a news style camera. I remember once I was filming, and we were in a a little bit sketchy area. I w- it was me, Christian, and Tech. We were filming at night, and I, w- I was taking a lot of time to land the trick. Like, 
one hour, two hours, and we saw a car just passing by a lot of times. Yeah. And uh, at one point, the guy from the car came out, and he has his hand in his pocket, Ooh. and it started uh, like coming uh, toward me or with the camera. And uh, I remember saying, it's not, ex- it's not an expensive camera. <laughs> it's yeah. like really cheap, man. Uh-huh. I, was, I was yelling at him. It's really cheap, I swear. And I remember Tech started swearing at the thief. And, I, and in my mind, it was like, okay, I'm dead. He's, he's swearing at the thief. He's going to take the gun out. But the guy never took the hand out. It was like, and I, I realized the guy was shaking. He was, shaking. He was fucking scared, man. Really? The guy turned around after Tech was swearing, hey, put you to mind, and was saying a lot of like bad words. And the guy turned around, got in the car, and, and he left. <laughs> he burst out. He wow. didn't have a gun. He didn't have a gun, but then maybe, I was maybe not. Oh, yeah. yeah. You don't know, man. He, no. Yeah. I, I don't want to risk my life to see if he has a gun or not. Like, no. But that was the only time I almost got robbed. But mm-hmm. thanks to Tech, I didn't. Shout out, Tech. Yeah, he's he lived in the ghetto. Like he he knew he knew. I don't know that nothing was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, it's good yeah. to have a friend like that in the crew. Yeah, sort of like a bouncer. <laughs> <laughs> he was definitely the bouncer. That's sick. <laughs> he lives in Chile right now. Good, get the fuck out of gotcha. Lima. <laughs> yeah. That that dude has never come out of Lima. Like I remember that trip to Arequipa we made was his first time out of Lima in like twenty five years after that. I was like, dude, you have to get out, man. Mm. And now he I think he's pretty good. He has a pretty good job there. He, Is he with his kid? No, he he got a job offer in Chile. So now he's like earning money and sending money to his kids. Nice. Yeah, if anything, Chile it, it that's that's probably the funnest trip I've ever taken to. Just too many spots and just too many. Man, They're too many. I, you couldn't. I haven't seen so much spots, not even in New York City, man. Really? No, not You can't even compare. Crazy, it. Like, yeah. Were you guys filming then? Because I was thinking back, I saw like Franco had basically a full section in the Primate Mixtape 3, the one that was yeah. uh, kind of a jab at Instagram, right? Yeah. Um, was that was there any Chile footage in there or was that well, mostly Lima? Yeah, there's there's a Chile section in it. That's why we, we filmed all the whole section in like three days. Remember? Mm-hmm. My section was from 2015 though. That's when I went and filmed all those clips for my section. Mm-hmm. But then we went to Chile, what was it, 2017, 2018? 18, yeah. 18. 18. And yeah, that was he had a bunch of Argentinian dudes come. So it was like a big crew of just like, you know, Peruvians, Chileans, and Argentinians. It was a good time. And like yeah. I said, the spots are unreal. Like it, there was too many and like too many like slanty walls and things that you would love to ride, Justin, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was wild. A lot of, lot of trannies. Like, yeah. Tight street Crazy. transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And never like in Lima, I always felt unsafe. You always got to, I didn't feel unsafe there. It was a different yeah. type of vibe there. Yeah, never feel unsafe. Uh, like you could go anywhere. We we were remember that night we were in the middle of the ghetto in Chile. Right, and it was, <laughs> and it was like I wasn't was, even that bad. Yeah, it wasn't even. It was like, dude, like I'm feeling the best place in Lima. Yeah, 
So what like Emmer. city in Chile is that mostly? Like what? Santiago. Where were you finding all these spots? Santiago. Like, Santiago, ever, yeah. That's why I'm really, I'm being honest. If you want to ride good spots in South America, you have to go to Chile or Argentina. Those are the countries to do like good bike trips. Mm -hmm. And also too, I think when you live in a certain place long enough and riding there, you sort of get bored of all the spots. Like you, you don't yeah. appreciate them as much as somebody on a trip there would. Cause the Vans yeah. video, that was all, that was all Lima, right? I'm sure there was some like, you know, outskirts, but for the most part, they they didn't leave Peru, right? No. Mm. Yeah, you have. You guys do you not leave... have a shortage of spots by any means. Uh, at one point, I think we did have like shortage of spots, but it's all about perception, man. Like when yeah. the bands who came here, they they blew my mind. I've been riding a spot, a pyramid spot, for like twenty years, and Bruno Hoffman was was doing a fucking like pocket wall ride. I've never mm. seen my It's like it's perception. It's like. You come from a different world, different, like, I don't know, just connect spots different ways. Honestly, I'm surprised that pyramid spot is still there. That that, that spot has been there. Like 50 years. Forever. Ever since they built those buildings there. I remember as a little kid, like before I even rode bikes, that, that was there, obviously. You know, like I lived two minutes away, legit two minutes away from that uh, residencial. Um, we, we learned to ride street there. Like we started our, our first street spot was that pyramid spot. Yeah, you would you would shit your pants, Justin, if you saw the spot. Yeah, it I'm trying to think. There's, can you describe it a little? Is that like the the monument with the pyramids, or is it more just like around a building? It is. Um, it's a it's like a little community with all these different like condominiums, like big buildings, and then outside in the courtyards. There is just all these gigantic, like little ones, big ones, medium ones, pyramids. You some, choose. Yeah. E really? Even the pyramids, some are cut in half, are even like put next to each other. So you can like transfer to transfer to like these other pyramids. Mm -hmm. And they're like, not like, they're not the best pyramids ever. Like, cause the transition is not like a, it's not a, it's like a 90 degree transition. It's like, bum, 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 yeah, it's bum, a hard but they cut work really the well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but find a picture. You, you can air them like. You can easily air uh, Van Hohman when went there, he was doing air bar spins in the little ones. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Yeah. Is there footage like of Mark Gralla riding these? Uh, yeah. I think one of your friends did a bar spin yes. on it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Know Mark Ratkid was, he was. When was like, he here, by the way? That that was crazy to see him in the video. Yeah. It's because I'm very good friends with Ryan Wright. He's from New York. No, he's from New Jersey. He used to be the animal graphic designer. Okay. And um, he his mother is Peruvian and his father is American. So he was coming here to Lima half of the year, and he's he was very good friends with Mark. So in 2015 they came here. It was crazy. That Rat Kid is like he's a backpack rider in the earth, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he has a different type of bike control and just like an eye yes. for spots. He can just bunk everything and go like he, he doesn't have to try it. He just do it first first try. Yeah, yeah, it's all feel. It's crazy to see yeah. him ride in person. But it was it was a bummer because when I took him to that spot, he broke his frame. Uh he he was doing those like wall rides. It was it's so hard, you have to pop him. 
and we heard a noise and he the first transition he was doing he broke his frame he was like whoa like this is the best spot and i can't ride it damn so we that sucks. have some beers and was over <laughs> is it tough to like get bike parts in south america right now it's very easy but when we started riding yeah earlier it was, it was always challenge. like secondhand stuff like i gave my bar to franco he gave me his cranks <laughs> so it was like yeah that. you're just swapping mm. yeah making yeah, it, it was definitely hard getting bike parts that's why he kind of started a well prime it was originally a distro it wasn't like it was i guess like a crew of guys that he like was friends with but it originally started off like to sell like animal parts and it was like an am animal distribution in, mm -hmm. in lima yeah. we we had the dream of selling bike parts for a good price here in lima but it's not possible it's like we spent like six years trying to sell like animal parts and animal is, is an expensive brand yeah so yeah and we were competing with like businesses here in lima that they don't pay taxes they just bring it to the border and they sell it or, like it was it was it was impossible just to do the things the good way yeah you're so trying to do started, it by the book yeah and we started even losing money like selling bike parts so at one point we just stopped and only we were doing only like t-shirts and stuff like that mm -hmm. but the, the animal guys was like they were amazing. They they were just giving giving us a lot of like presents and giving us a lot of stuff to give to the kids. Like nice. they gave us really good prices for a long time. But I think it wasn't the good timing to start this. Like maybe if we if I have started at this time that BMX is really big right now. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better. But we started this in 2011, like when it wasn't that big. So. Yeah, it was uh, it was a headache. <laughs> that why that's why we stopped doing that and we just started filming videos and doing like a crew, like DVDs and t-shirts and stuff like that. You should bring t-shirts back. I I'm planning on bringing t-shirts, t-shirts and uh, look at this cap, man. This is a Peruvian brand. That's sick. That's a VX like one thousand. Is that like yeah, a skateboarding brand? No, it's a BMX team. Oh, really? Called, That's sick. It's called cas Cassette. Cassette. Uh, cassette, nice. They're selling. I want to do, like, I want to bring back the top roots again. I feel like I you already have, like, a solid, like, Primate is already known there. So, like, you already have a solid base if you did bring it back. And just sell the t-shirts or, like, make, you know, like, little edits or whatever, t-shirts, yeah. hats. I think you'd be able to, like, you know, sell sell it out quickly. Yeah, yeah, I've been thinking about that. Like, because I've been away for, for like a year, I wasn't that into BMX, but I'm, I'm coming back and I think I'm doing it this year with, I have a lot of good, uh, contacts that make t-shirts here, like Briaton. And so mm -hmm. I have an easy way to do it. So what made you want to come back start riding? Cause like me and you've been talking, me, me and you talk of all the time, me, me, Christian and, and we, we talk on WhatsApp all the time. Um, but he hasn't been that I know that he hasn't been riding at all for like a long time, maybe for like a, more than a year now. I think it's yeah. been more than a year. You haven't been that. active at all. You, you know, last but, time I, I really rode was the Argentina trip. It was the end of 2019. I think the pandemic, I don't know what happened to me. Just, I was in quarantine because here grew, we were in a real quarantine. We couldn't, you, you would get arrested if you get out yeah, of your house. They were like actual, uh, risks. Yeah. There were, yeah. 
my, I don't know what my motivation just uh, got over, <laughs> but I don't know what happened to me. Like after this bike trip, it's like, no, I, fuck, I don't want to pedal that much. I want to ride BMX. So coming back, man. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt the same way. Like in New York, I wasn't nearly as mo- motivated. I don't think anyone was, man. No. Like as soon as I moved to Florida and like met these other guys and like have all these other options available to me, I've really gotten motivated to go ride again. But when I was in New York, like the winters just, just, just shoot you down. The winters, you're, you're stuck inside for four or five months. I mean, yeah, you could go ride and go to, to different places, but it's not the same for me. Not anymore at this, at this age at 30. Like I don't want to go out and ride in, in, in winter. It's just not something I want to do. Yeah. I've kind of decided I don't want to ride street as much in the winter. I've kind of made this like a skate park winter. Yeah. Kind of like develop my transition skills a little more. I even built up like a pegless bike with brakes that I've just yeah. been like trying to try something new and dude brakes are the new uh, the new trend man you yeah know, yeah I've been seeing cool. it. Louis, Louis, you got you, you need some brakes in your life. Oh, you, you don't need brakes Luigi brakes. <laughs> <laughs> nah I, 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 I feel like I don't know no nah <laughs> has your setup changed at all since like you know seeing the videos from like 2015 you still have like four piece bars four metal pegs yeah. what what's like your setup yeah i'm a, I'm a four piece guy right now I'll still be, i got this club skirball it was the original one damn dude but, look at those <laughs> that's patina yeah but i i started realizing i had back problems because of using this so i bought the big four the biggest one mm-hmm. and yeah it helped me with the back so I don't know. I just, I just like the way, the style of using a four piece and and hitting a wall and doing a transition like Bob Scarbo. It's like yeah, he's, it's classic. He's my god, he's my god, and it's like I love it. Mm-hmm. And when Ryan from Animal came down to Peru, he had like, dude, you can see his bike. It's like fuck, he's, he hasn't cleaned it up in like three years. Like a real street bike, right? All fucked up. Yeah, I love, I love that. It's like street riding. Yeah, Louis' bike is definitely a street bike. It's a <laughs> it's always been the biggest piece. Yeah. Ever since I met him, his bike was always been a a mess. I'm with him. I like seeing a bike that's that's been through some shit. That's like the paint's not perfect used. and it's got some dents. It's got some like character. Like right, a used bike. Yeah, like a really bike. used bike. You know. Mm-hmm. Back yeah. in the day, I remember fucking fixing his. He would break his chain all the time. Oh. We didn't have fucking chain breakers, so we just like <laughs> grab a rock, a rock and just yeah. like fucking smashing put it the on the curb. Back in. Yeah, been there wow, a few man, times. I remember putting a chain like with my fingers. Da, 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 da. <laughs> just putting it back, man. I was so desperate of riding again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, his bike was always, and he would always like throw down. I would never yeah. throw down, but he was always. He was always like going big at least and like something would break and then it would just like getting bike parts at that time. Like we spoke about it before. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah. Like you couldn't just get a bike part, especially having no money. You had to you make know. a few calls and ask what was uh in the spare parts bin mm-hmm. if you needed something. Crazy. You don't see like bike parts right now are pretty good. Like you, you don't bend a bar right now. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen. I remember at 07, that used to happen like every two months. My mm-hmm. bar was bent like. My fork was bent too. Like that doesn't happen anymore. It's like you can well, have the one quality set of, of the parts. It has come a long way. Yeah, it's yeah. very consistent now. 
Also, the Peruvian made parts that back in the day that he used to ride. He used to ride for a company called Amfox. Like he was a sponsored <laughs> rider, and like these weren't, you know, like these were handmade somewhere by some guy, and you know, but he it wasn't may not Kamali, have been a professional like, welder, and yeah, it wasn't yeah. Kamali, you know. Mm-hmm. I remember I changed frame every month, man. Like wow. I had a new frame every month. Like I broke frames. Well, I was happy, man. Dude, yeah. it was it was a pretty good sponsor, right? I used to sign contracts and stuff and have a meeting each each week. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. Then, that sounds cool. I, so it was like a legit brand. Yeah. I wanted to do it, was, it proper. Uh, nice. BMX, you know, the, the, there was no money in the industry at that time. And, well, it, it does. You don't see money even now. Yeah, but at now that time, it was very worse. Little. Yeah. So it went to bankruptcy and now they do like, I think now they do like racks for TVs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's a whole <laughs> different company now. Gotcha. It's crazy how time change. Yeah. Yeah. So when you came here, what was it like around like 2018 when you visited New York? Was that your first time riding here? Yes. Yeah, it was my first time in New York. And, um, I remember, I remember uh, it's like, there was too much going on in New York City, man. It's like yeah, it's stressful. too much for me, man. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody, right? <laughs> nah. Was it like, compared to your expectations, how did you think actually riding here turned out? Were there as many spots or was it, was it a know, little bit disappointing? My, my perception of New York, it's like, I watch animal videos and I thought like all the, I don't know, the cellar doors were like in each block and you could just... But it was not like that. It's like I remember Franco, you you took me to a spot, then we drove an hour to another spot. Yeah, and it was crazy because here in Lima, I just pedal around and find spots right out your front door. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what called my attention. It was because you see videos and it's really easy to see spots and you think every every everything is like close together. But yeah, well, it blew my mind. Like everything is really far away. Yeah, but it depends because if you we're staying say in like the right part of Manhattan or Brooklyn. There's a lot of spots you can just pedal to right out your front door, but you would need like a local spot guide. And even then you couldn't hit everything. Like so many of the great spots are just spread out throughout the five boroughs. And Mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, there could be an hour drive if you're going from like Williamsburg, Brooklyn, all the way up to the Bronx. Like it's a, it's a very large map to cover. I remember you took me to the Bronx, and I've always heard in my life like the Bronx was really sketchy. Sketchy, and I yeah. Felt, dude, I felt really safe there. I was like, remember Franco, that that spot under the bridge, the one yeah. with all the slant walls. It was a really nice area. It was, yeah, it no, like, that wasn't a bad part of the Bronx at all. That was a great day. You lost the footage, but that was a good <laughs> day. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah, yeah. But, no. You know something that impressed me in of New York, like happened to me i was doing a lot of spot tourism like i remember going mm-hmm. to those those uh black benches like are really known for animal videos like the black benches is it like no, the black no, like marble hubbas, black hubbas uh in front oh, of a court yeah of course yeah it's called a lot of people call it oh. yeah it's a courthouse hubba it's like sort of well, rounded off it's black marble mm-hmm. yeah. yes maybe you guys have wrote that for a lot of years but yeah. for me it was 
that it was really special. It was like, whoa, like, I've, I have been like seeing that spot for like 15 years. It was my first time seeing it. I wasn't even taking pictures with it. Like, <laughs> yeah, taking selfies with the spot. Yeah. It was also with, with the Brooklyn Banks. Yeah, I'm jealous you made it to the banks. I kind of slept on it when they were reopened for a little bit, and I've actually never ridden the banks. That's crazy shamefully. that we got to ride them. That, that, that specific yeah. time that he was here. You came like, at I don't the perfect think... time. Yeah, that yeah. was the only little window where the banks were like that, almost that, that open. That ride was very emotional for me because it was like, I was at the top, like of my life, riding banks, like the spot I always wanted to ride since was a, I was a little kid. Dude, in us, and it was even better than what I thought. It was bigger than one that I thought. Huge. I, my expectations were like they over. It was higher than my expectations. It actually lived up to your expectations. Yeah. Yeah. That t- that's usually pretty rare with spots. Usually everything looks better yeah. in footage, and then you show up, and it's like ankle height and mm. impossible yeah. to ride. But the banks were like a I, skate park. I actually went to the bank this year. I went to New York with my girlfriend. And I wandered to see, but they're not there anymore. Like, no, they're, they're, they took all the bricks out. I'm not sure what the wow. current really? situation what is. Happened? Yeah, yeah, but they might be getting refurbished. It's, there's still some hope. I think there was a petition going around. There were people attending meetings and a lot of skateboarders. Really? I think uh-huh. pushing to to try to bring them back. So I don't think, I think all hope a- is lost, but it's it's hard to say. It's like a police station, right? Like it's right across from uh, the police across, station. Yeah. yeah so that's where Jeffrey Epstein was staying, no? Where he died, where he killed himself, or uh, I don't know, where he Jeffrey hung what? himself. Jeffrey yeah. Epstein. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right across from the banks is a you know the police station and like a I guess a jail, and I'm pretty sure that's where he was. Wow. Where he uh, killed himself. <laughs> but you got a good mix of like Long Island spots too. Because I know you yeah. made it to the Rosalind Pool, which mm. is definitely that's a destination. A yeah. That's, that's where I got my Jersey Barrier tattoo. Oh, damn. That's Remember? sick. Yeah, I saw there was some tattoo footage in the New York video, too. Yeah. It's like, oh, crazy because, uh, you don't get to see Jersey Barriers here. Like, it's pretty really? symbolic. Like, New York, New York huh. like, writing. Yeah, I guess there's no Jersey barriers in Peru. It's yeah, because they're you see them in Europe too. You see them obviously all over America. Like they're not restricted to New York, New Jersey. What do you call it, Jersey barrier? I only had that question. Like they were designed in New Jersey or what? <laughs> Who knows? I think they're just the most prolific in Jersey. Like if you go to New Jersey, all the roadways have them. The highways. I mean, it's the same in New York. But it just think it's just it's stuck for whatever reason. But maybe they came from Jersey. I'll have to look into that because now I'm curious. Yeah, man, it's, it's pretty curious. Yeah, that was a good trip overall. We 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 rode a lot. I took off work for like two weeks just to drive him around and go all these spots, and it was well worth it. It just we hit everything we possibly could. We found new spots. We went to the Bronx. We even went to fucking Canada. Went to fucking yeah. Montreal. That's a good trip. Canada was a good time. I lost weight, man, because of that trip. We, we rode a lot. <laughs> You're just riding two weeks straight. Yeah. 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 One month straight riding. Remember? Wow. That's right, because he stayed with Memo, with yeah. with Memo for a little while. So he had the experience of me picking mm-hmm. him up from JFK, 
he's like, all right, I'm in New York. And then I took him to the fucking Long Island woods, mm -hmm. which is, you know, not comparable at all to fucking where Memo lives. So he got the, he got the full experience. Yeah. It's yeah. A good way to do it. I went to the high and the low. <laughs> I went to a good area and a bad area and I got my conclusions. Yeah. Went to Craig's house, Locust Valley, the nicest area. And yeah, thank when, you for when, getting me a clip of that, guys by the way. Through, what about the Wemo guys? When are you coming down to Peru? You should come Peru. with Franco. Man. Yeah, if Franco's coming, I would definitely like to make it on the trip. That'd be awesome. I know we've we talked about it on and off a few times. My dad has like yeah, Airbnbs here, so you could stay there, man. It's like, oh really? Would be easy for you guys. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah but for sure. We actually bought me and Lisa bought a ticket not long ago, but then during pandemic, it was just like it's not even worth it, so mm -hmm. we we canceled it. But now it's it's good. Like people are traveling back and forth, right? So we can, anyone we can go anytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with the vaccine, the restrictions have eased up. I've not been vaccinated yet. Nah, no vax. No. To each their own. I'm I'm gonna eventually have to do it for this fucking cruise. Oh, true, true. We have to do it. Yep. So we've been rolling for about an hour at this point. I think now would probably be a good time to uh to wind things down. Sure. I think somehow we've uh, we've got around this Zoom time limit, which has been a relief. I pictured us stopping and starting three, four times. So it worked out. Yeah, no, yeah. we got the notification saying that it was unlimited time. So I don't know. I don't know what changed. Yeah, yeah works for me. So yeah, uh, what's awesome to catch up with you guys, dude? Absolutely. I'm so glad to have you on. This is like why I wanted to do this podcast in the first place get people from all over and hear about riding in other countries. Yep. DMX, like in every country, you, I, I like that, like to meet people from other countries that ride BMX. I speak their idiom, but they're always have another perception of things. And I, I love to hear about that. Yeah. It's always relatable, but there's always little nuances and different experiences and it makes you want to travel more and go there. Yeah. Experience it for BMX. yourself. BMX is traveling. Man. It's like, yeah, it's all about traveling stories. <laughs> it's not about bike riding. Man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's about the stuff that happens around riding. Yeah. More than anything. So usually we'll just do like a little Instagram shout out, website, anything. So where could like we find you on Instagram? Um, at Luigi Viacava, my name. Maybe you can go to Primate BMX. It, it, I'm going to start moving it again because <laughs> I stopped for a while, but yeah, I'm coming back this year with all the t-shirts and stuff. Good. I want to do, I want to do something like new right now. Like don't stay in the same designs and stuff. Yeah. Sounds yeah, cool. We're coming back. Lou, is Looking that a forward. picture of me and you behind you? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Like, I have that. How'd you get that picture if I'm right here? That's my, that's my love to Franco. That's the love I have for him. <laughs> Dude, it's a little shrine oh. to him. He's wearing the Primate shirt even. Oh, yeah, you should remake at least some yeah. of those shirts. I always wanted one of those shirts. It's right next to my computer. Next time I see you, I'm going to give you a couple. That'd be amazing. Right. I still owe you a zine, by the way. 
Yeah. You man. got a couple photos well, in I, there. I have a collection of scenes, so I need it. <laughs> For sure. Speaking it's only of been that. a few years. Where the fuck is my stuff? I so I took a bunch of pictures throughout the years in Lima and um, and also in Chile that I have to send them. I when I see I, I I'm I'm gonna see you guys soon. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. So I'll I'll give them, I'll give you the pictures then. And I also have some stuff for Christian. Nice. See you in March, man. Yeah, that should we'll be fun. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. Yeah, you better fucking come, Justin. Don't fucking bail out, motherfucker. For the cruise? <laughs> yeah. I'll be there. I'll be there. All right. All right, cool. And Craig, too. You better not fucking bail out. I'm bunking up with Craig and Fred. That's the plan. Is Fred's actually coming or yeah, what? Yeah, Fred's coming. All right, cool. We're all in this together. Yeah, that's going to be... It's gonna It'll be, be a good time. Funny, man, to be yeah, it's gonna be a bikey boy party, yeah, bike oh, nerd yeah. party. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Franco, where are you on Instagram? At Franco Tirador ninety one. Solid. You've been posting a lot of skate park footage, Florida yeah, man stories. I like it. He's a park rat right now. Dude, no, that's yeah, me too. <laughs> I went riding street the other day. Actually, it wasn't. There's some things to ride here. They just people don't look, but there are things to ride. It's probably a lot more spread out too. The gems are easy to like get to. Everything's just a grid, not like on Long Island, where everything's just like the roads are all fucked. Here, everything's just like you make a left or make a right, and that's it. You're there. Yeah, not so much a maze. But but there's nothing like looking for spots pedaling around. When when you're in a car, you miss a lot of things that you don't see in a bike. But you can pedal around. This is we're next to cities, like. On Long Island, you can't pedal around, but here you can you can definitely pedal and find shit. Oh, nice. Gotcha. So the Instagram for the podcast is at Sore Losers BMX Podcast. My Instagram's at Jay Cobley. And I think I'm going to be doing the podcast every two weeks just so, to make this more sustainable long term. So this will probably be going up. I think I'll put it up this Tuesday and then starting from there i'll be doing a two-week thing so thank you guys for coming on really appreciate it luigi and franco for uh holding down the co-host spot Hmm. thank you man dude of course and uh the whole podcast the plan is to you know have repeat guests like it's not a one and done type of program so if you're ever you have a new project come out or you just want to come on hang out you're more than welcome Hell yeah. Awesome. But it's great to have you on, hear about Primate and your recent projects and such. Awesome, man. Thank you a lot. Dude, you're welcome. Yeah, that was fun catching up with everyone. You seen your faces. (laughs) For sure. Well, ciao. Later, guys. If you're not doing so already, go head outside and ride your bike.